All right, our ushers are coming forward. Come on ahead, guys, as quickly as you can. I've got a handout that I want to give to everyone. Ed, let me have one of those. Thank you. Got a handout for you this morning. I've got a lot to accomplish this morning, so I'm going to ask you to get plugged in. And It's exciting to see what God has for us. I want everybody in the building to have one of these. I mentioned in the Sunday school class, it's difficult to maintain intensity on anything for an extended period of time. So we have been talking about the building for about three years, and all three of those years are pointing to what date? May 19th. We have worked and invested for three years to get to this point, and God has done it. What a blessing that is. And now we have the greatest opportunity in the history of our church to get people into this building to hear about our Savior. All right? So does anyone need one? Who doesn't have the handout yet? Hold your hands up. If you do not have a handout, I want everybody to have one of these. If somebody over here on the far left, anyone, you do not have the handout, hold your hand up if you don't have a handout. All right. So look at your handout. Building something eternal. Construction on our new facility is complete, but God has just begun to build something eternal here. How many of you believe that God's going to build something eternal here? Man, it's it's amazing that we get to be a part of this. And let me just say before I, I dive into this, this isn't fluff. It's true. It could not have happened without your giving. It could not have happened without your praying. It couldn't have happened without your faithfulness, your investment of your time, your talent, and your treasure. But we're not done. We're just not done. Can you imagine preparing you ladies, you prepare a special meal, and you've got it all ready, but you don't cook it? That'd be bad, right? They call that sushi. All right. So look at the, look at the cover of your uh, handout here. How can we make our grand opening the greatest service in the history of our church? How can we do that? There are seven things that I'm going to ask you to do that we can do to make this the greatest service in the history of our church. Before we, so turn it over. And before we read that, everybody look up here at me for just a second. I think our highest attendance is somewhere in the 280s. We had almost 270 last week, and we've done that a lot over the last several years. That's kind of where we've been. Can you imagine if we had over 300 people here for the grand opening? We have 385 members or something. If just the members would come, we would have that. How many think it would be really cool if all the members came on one service? Wouldn't that be awesome? I just think that would be so cool. But we need more than our members. See, the thing to remember is we didn't build this for us. We built it for them. They don't know about it yet. And so we're mailing to every home in Sydney. You guys have your handouts. There are more Uh, invite cards on the back. There are more invite cards out here in the lobby. But let's take a look at this seven-step plan. Let's make sure everybody has one. Do you guys, Chad, Dave, do you guys have the handout? Okay. Noah, do you have one of these? Let's get Noah one. All right. Seven-step plan for jump-starting our grand opening preparation. Number one, take the day seriously as seriously as you take eternal souls. A thought that always comes to my mind, we had a special day, it's called Easter Sunday, 22 years ago. 
and Joni Starnes got saved. How many of you think that's a special day for Joni, for the family? Wade was even happy that day. Take the day seriously, as seriously as you take eternal souls. Because I promise you this, I'm going to preach the gospel that day. I was talking to Dalton about it. He said, tell the church you're not going to preach your anti-pope sermon that day. Tell the church that. So they'll invite people to come to church. Um, take the day seriously. Number two, have a, this, this is really good. Have a specific time of prayer with your family concerning the grand opening. Make it a matter of prayer for your whole family. Get together with your family and pray about it. Talk about it. Letter A, discuss each person's potential visitors for the special day, giving aid and advice as needed. Parents, talk to your kids about how they can invite someone. Those of you who play sports, invite the whole team. Get your whole team here. They'll come. That has happened. Um, Then make a note of every possible person mentioned. Write it down and pray for them. Write down the name of every person that you're talking about as a family who you're going to invite. Then plan how you will contact that person and family. You know, there's a difference between a plan and a wish. Right? It's not a plan until you write it down, until you make a plan of attack. I'm going to do it at this time. I'm going to do it now. This is going to happen. Then pray specifically for God to use your family to reach others. Pray as a family for God to do that. Then number three, pay a personal visit to each one on your list before next Sunday, seeking their commitment to be your guest at the grand opening. Tell them that you have something you'd like to send them from the church and get their vital information. Believe in what you are doing enough to be assertive. Get their address. Send them an invitation. You say, Pastor, we're mailing to every house in town. The idea is we want them to have five touches. We want them to have the touch of a personal invitation. We want them to have a touch of a note from you. We want them to have the touch of seeing the mailer that comes in the mail. We want them to have all of these different touches so that they will come. Then, send them an email, number four. Send them an, oh, uh, re, the last of verse three, verse three, of number three. This is not the Bible, okay? <laughs> Believe in what you are doing enough to be assertive. We, in our Sunday school class today, we looked at how the disciples, they were, with, they were with Jesus, and so they were bold. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were bold. If you struggle with boldness, welcome to the club. We all struggle with boldness when it comes to inviting someone, getting out of our comfort zone. If you're with Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit, he will give you the boldness to do it. Be bold enough, believe in it enough to be assertive. Do everything you can to get them here. Don't get away. Don't let them get away with, I'll try. Say, man, I'm glad that you're willing to consider it. Will you come? Can I write you down as coming? I'll make sure that you're there. I'm going to take you to lunch afterwards. Make it special. Make sure that they know that it's important. Number four, send them an email or text expressing your excitement that they will be attending the grand opening with you. Number five, turn in the data from each of your commitments ASAP so we may send them information about the grand opening. When you get a commitment from someone and you get their information, we're going to send them a special note about our grand opening to let them know what to expect when they come. It won't just be another invitation. It'll show them, hey, when you come, enter this door. This will show you where to go. It gives them a reason to read it, but it's another one of those touches. And you understand that people are impressed by that kind of detail. So let's make sure that we do our part 
in that. Then, number six, visit and or call your friends on Saturday, May 18th, reminding them of the grand opening and offering any assistance they may need. And then number seven, arrive early on May 19th, joyful and eager to be a blessing to your guests and those of others. Can you imagine if we work so hard for May 19th and then we come here on May 19th and we're in a bad mood? Had a bad day? You're ugly to someone that someone else has tried so hard to get here? So let's make sure that we understand our part in this. How many of you believe that it's important? Seriously. This isn't hype. How many of you believe it's important for people to hear the gospel that's preached here? Amen. Amen. We're not the only church in town preaching the gospel. That's a blessing. But there are a lot of people who go to churches or don't go to church where they never hear a clear gospel message. We have a tremendous opportunity that day. Now, let's review. Take the day seriously. Have a specific time of prayer with your family. Discuss who each individual is going to invite. And those of you with young people, you parents with young people, when you, invite, when you ask them, who are they going to invite? And they go, hmm. First of all, let me do a parenting thing here. If your child ever answers you like that, tell them they're not allowed to eat for a week. Take away their cell phone. Take away their fancy clothes. Have them go to school in sackcloth and ashes. I'm just telling you, the day that my children refuse to answer me is a day that they would have wished they had never been born. Anyway, when your children look at you and you say, who are you going to invite? And they go, yeah, don't let them get away with it. Write someone down. Let's pray about them today. Require your children to answer. How many of you know that teenagers know how to talk? Right? What is it? You you take the first two years teaching them how to walk and talk. Then the next 16, tell them to sit down and shut up. Right? So when they want to talk, they can. Get them involved in this. Make it a matter of prayer. Let them know that your family is committed to Grace Baptist Church and to what the Lord is doing here. Amen? Now, how many of you would honestly say, I'm going to do everything I can on this list? Would you raise your hand? You really, you're you're committed. You're saying, I am going to do this. You guys aren't going to do it? You didn't raise your hand? Are you serious? You guys are not going to do this. Are you going to do it? Okay. How many of you are going to say, Pastor, I will. I commit that I'm going to do everything I can. Would you raise your hands? Awesome. Fantastic. I just guilted so many of you into raising your hands. No, honestly, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. And here's here's the, the dangerous part. The dangerous part is for any one of us to think that we don't matter in this. Well, that soul that you know that I don't know, does that soul matter? Let's do our part. Do you believe in what we're doing here? I know that you do. That's a silly question. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be giving. You wouldn't be so active. We have great church. Let's make sure that that passion that we really have, that that's expressed. And having an opportunity, that's such a great thing to invite them for. And remember, we're not inviting them to the end of something. That's something that I had to learn. We'd have a big day and we'd work real hard for the big day. And then that was it. This will be the beginning of a series on building something eternal. 
They'll have a reason to come back. They'll have some practical instruction every Sunday. And, you know, people's lives are a mess. They really want good counsel. We can give that to them from the scriptures. Amen? So let's all be a part of it. And what I want to do right now is I want to take a minute to pray. If you want to use the altar, if you want to get on your knees right there, if you just want to sit in your chair, let's make a commitment to God that we're going to do what we can. How many of you believe God will do what he's supposed to do? Let's, let's just commit to God right now that we're going to do what we're supposed to do. Lord, we need you. And Lord, I am so thankful for Grace Baptist Church. When Laura and I came 22 years ago and Lydia just three weeks old, we, had, we never dreamed of what Grace Baptist Church would be in our family and what a blessing it's been. And now as we look around and we see the people that you've brought here, the people that we love, that we know better than our own families, Lord, the the souls that you've saved, the laborers that you've brought around us, the way that you've built us in this place, Lord, we want to share that. Lord, I believe you really do want to do something really remarkable in Sydney through Grace Baptist Church. And of course, as we think about the people that are in this room and those of our our church family that aren't here today, you've already done remarkable things through us and in us. But Lord, I just believe there's so much more that you want to do here. Lord, will you help me? Will you help me to prayerfully invite and be assertive and do everything I can to have people here for that day? Lord, we need your help. We need your boldness. We're all busy. We have so many things going on in this world. Lord, help us to understand the priority of your work at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 12. Man, I don't know about you guys. I'm already excited about that day. I just believe he's going to do something special. Exodus chapter 12. If you remember, I wanted to preach on the Passover a few weeks ago. Then we introduced our grand opening. Then we had Brother Dave for Easter Sunday. But we get to do it today. Isn't it wonderful that we don't have a liturgical calendar that we're stuck with? We just open up the Bible and preach anywhere we want to. And it's all good. It's all given by inspiration of God. So look at... Exodus chapter 12, and what I want to preach on this morning is the Lamb. Exodus 12, look at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. It's interesting. I want you to think about something. You know what God's saying right here? All of history before this is being changed. We'll see why in a second. Verse 3, Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house... Take it according to the number of the souls. 
Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door of the post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw. And again, this is why sushi is an abomination. That's really not what the text says. That's my commentary. Nor sodden it all with water, but roast with fire. His head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Lord, thank you for your word. Help us as we just learn a few things from this text today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I was a little overwhelmed as I was studying this subject, and there's so much to read on it. And there's no way in the limited amount of time that we have this morning that I could express to you all of the teaching that is in this text. As a matter of fact, I don't know all of the teaching that's in the text. I would imagine that we could preach this text for a year and not completely cover everything that's in it. So I just want to point out a few things in this text about the Lamb, about the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in verse 3. It says, Speak ye unto all the children, I'm sorry, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the, t- in the tenth day of this month they shall take unto them every man a lamb. Every man a lamb. So every the head of every household was supposed to take a lamb for that house. Now, let me ask you something, men. Do you understand the responsibility that you have to lead your home to the Lord? I like it what it says in Job chapter 1, where it's talking about what Job did. It says, and thus did Job continually. He was constantly taking his family before the Lord. He was constantly praying for his family. Here it says, every man a lamb. Men, it is your responsibility to be the spiritual leader in your home. That is your job. I wonder when the last time was you had a conversation with your child about their spiritual condition. It's a sad thing when I ask a father, is your son saved? Well, I'm not sure. Is your daughter saved? Well, I'm not sure. How do you not know? Because when you talk to them, they go, eh. Talk to them. Every man a lamb. How many of you honestly believe that the Bible teaches male leadership in the home? Do you all believe that? Guys, 
This is our responsibility to lead our homes. One of my favorite things to do is ask my children, how are you doing spiritually? How's your walk with the Lord? Any of you that I've discipled, that's one of the first things I say. How's your walk with the Lord? How are you doing spiritually today? How's your walk with the Lord? That that is the leadership that we are supposed to take. Every man a lamb. It's interesting that this lamb is foreshadowed in Adam's clothing. Do you remember that they had clothed themselves with fig leaves? And what did God do? He came and killed a lamb and covered them with clothing because death requires, sin requires death and the shedding of blood. That lamb all the way back in the Garden of Eden is a picture of Jesus Christ. Abel's sacrifice, he brought the firstlings of his flock and God had respect unto Abel's sacrifice, but not unto Cain's because it had to be a lamb. It points to the lamb, Jesus Christ. How about Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac? What did Abraham say to him? Father, where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? And what did he say? God will provide, what's that next word? Himself a lamb. God will provide himself a lamb. And what did Jesus say? No man taketh my life, I lay it down willingly. No man can take my life from me. I like what Brother Dave said. Can you imagine if someone had tried to break his legs on the cross? It could not have happened. It could not have happened. Jesus Christ. Remember, the death of Christ was not a tragedy. It was an accomplishment. Jesus Christ talked about the death that he would accomplish at Jerusalem. He is the lamb. He's the lamb that is spoken of. And all of this Passover, it prefigures Jesus Christ. He provided himself a lamb. This lamb is so important that God doesn't count the national life of Israel as having any life at all until the blood of the lamb is shed. Do you see that in verse 2? This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. We're going to start it over with the shedding of the blood of the lamb. That's where it's going to start. It's the beginning. This lamb is personalized in Isaiah. Look at Isaiah chapter 53 with me. Isaiah chapter 53. Keep your place in Exodus. There's so many verses that I would like for us to look up today, but I want us to just stay focused on a couple of things. Look at Isaiah chapter 53. Look at verse 3. We're going to identify. Isaiah identifies the lamb. He is despised. Isaiah 53 and verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a, everyone, what's it say? A lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so openeth not his mouth. I want you to think about something. 
Jesus Christ is the Word, and we know that from John. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus Christ is the Word. Jesus Christ is the Father of all language. Jesus Christ is the great communicator, the great teacher. He's the one that embodies the very supernatural Word of God. Do you think that Jesus Christ could have mounted an eloquent defense? But he didn't. He didn't open his mouth. He went like a lamb, dumb, before his shearers. It's an amazing thing. So he's personalized by Isaiah. He's identified by John the Baptist in John 1. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And then he's glorified by the Father. Look at Revelation chapter 5. I want you to see this, this Lamb. Revelation chapter 5. Look at verse 11. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the what? The lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and All that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. He's personalized in Isaiah. He's identified by John the Baptist and he's glorified by the Father. It's interesting. This Lamb is born in a manger where where human shepherds can stare at him. And yet when the elders and the cherubim in Revelation 5 gaze on him and gaze on his glory, they have to fall on their faces. Why? Because Jesus Christ shielded that glory so that we could behold him. It's interesting. Look, go back to Exodus chapter 14. I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 12. Look at verse 4. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. It's interesting. If the household is only one or two people, then they're supposed to invite their neighbors to share in the lamb. In Leviticus chapter 12, we understand that if a family wasn't wealthy enough to have a lamb, that they could share, another family could invite them to share the lamb with them. Any way you read it, you're supposed to share the lamb with your neighbor. How many of you know the lamb? Would you raise your hands? You're rich. (laughs) You're rich. He was made poor, the Bible says, so that we could be made rich. We have the riches of the fullness of, Of Christ Jesus. That's what we have. We're heirs and we're joint heirs with him. We're rich. What are those of us who are rich supposed to do for those who are poor? We're supposed to share the lamb. You know, this this little checklist that I gave you, how many of you recognize that checklist is not in the Bible? Right? As hard as I've searched, I've not found email in the Bible. But we're supposed to share the lamb however we can. Do you love him? Do you love Jesus? 
Any of you, how many of you have grandkids? Would you raise your hands if you have grandkids? All right. So hold those hands up. Everybody look around. See, these people have grandkids. All right. Now, put your hands down. How many of those of you who have grandkids have shown someone a picture of your grandkids? Would you raise your hands? I think it's the same number. Why? You love them. Why do you love them? Because you get to send them home. We talk about what we love. We share what we love. Share the lamb. Share him. Tell someone else. That's what a witness does. We share the lamb. Then look at verse 5, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Do you see that? Your lamb shall be without blemish. Look at 1 Peter 1. I'm going to try and go as fast as I can with some of these passages. So turn your Bibles quickly. 1 Peter chapter 1. And look at verse 19. We need verse 18 for the context. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So when we see that lamb without blemish, that's Jesus Christ. He is our perfect sacrifice. He was, we weren't redeemed by anything that we can give or buy. We were redeemed by Jesus Christ's precious offering. Pilate said that the lamb was without blemish. Remember in John 19, he said, I find no fault in him. Judas said the lamb was out without blemish. He said, how can we shed this innocent blood? Remember what the Pharisees said? What's that to us? What's that? They didn't care about Jesus' innocent blood. Judas said the lamb was was without blemish. Pilate's wife said the lamb was without blemish. He says, she, she told her husband, don't have anything to do with this just man. The, ex- the centurion that was in charge of the execution, he said, surely this was a righteous man. He was a lamb without blemish. His worst enemies could not find any fault in him. They tried to fault him before the judge, but they could find no fault in him. And the verdict of 20 centuries is that he was head and shoulders above every lamb of the flock and in any flock that has appeared on any continent since the foundation of the world. Go back to Exodus chapter 12. The lamb. Look at verse 7. Well, I'm skipping over so much, I wish we had time to talk about, but look at verse 7. And they shall take of the blood. Now, who's going to do this? A man. Father the head of the household. If there was no head of the household, the mother would do this. And they shall take of the blood. And what's that next word? Everyone, what's that next word? Strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door of the posts of the house, the houses, wherein they shall eat it. It's such an interesting thing. So if this was the door... They would take it to the side and put blood on the side and then at the top. And that that pictures so many things. Of course, we know that it pictures the cross, of course. But I want you to think about this. When Jesus Christ was crucified, there was a 
man crucified on his right hand and on his left with him above them in the middle. And I want you to think about something. That blood that was stricken on that cross when that hammer went down on Jesus over and over and over again, that blood was being stricken to the cross. I want you to think about something else. Remember one of the, one of the thieves, they mocked, he mocked Jesus. You're just like us. You say you're God, get yourself off of the cross. The other thief said, this day, Remember me when you enter into your you remember me when you enter into your kingdom and Jesus said this day you'll be with me in paradise. But I want you to notice something. The blood was on both sides. Jesus shed his blood for both of those thieves. The one that accepted and the one that rejected. One got to go to heaven, the other got went got to go to hell. But the blood was there for him. It was there for him. Do you know the blood is there for you today? Whether you accept it or not, Jesus Christ tasted death for you. He tasted death for every man. That's what the Bible says that our lamb did. Look at Exodus chapter 12. And I want you to notice one last thing. The Bible says in verse 3, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take unto them every man. What's it say right there? Everyone, what's it say? A lamb. Do you see that? A lamb. Verse 4. And if the household be too little for the lamb, then notice what it says in verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. See, Jesus Christ is a lamb. And there are a lot of people that believe that there are lots of different ways to get to heaven. There are many different types of sacrifices. But then we understand that there's only one. He's the lamb. Jesus Christ, he says, what did John say? Behold, the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Keep your place in Exodus. Go to the book of Titus. Titus. Chapter 2. Look at verse 11. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. So salvation is only by grace, right? Are you all with me on that? Amen. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to who? But what does that grace do? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of, now notice what it says, of, what's the next word? Everyone, what's the next word? The, the great God. And then what's that next word? Our Savior. How many of you understand there's a big difference between the great God and our Savior? See, he's the great God, whether you acknowledge him or not. He's coming. He's returning, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God 
and our Savior. Go back to Exodus. Notice what it says. It goes back, it starts with a lamb, and then it's the lamb. But verse 5, folks, at some point, he has to become your lamb. Is he your lamb? Is he your savior? Which side of the cross are you on? Jesus' blood was applied to, for the thief who believed. Jesus' blood was applied for the thief who rejected. The blood was available. You see, Jesus Christ is a lamb. Not just any lamb. Neither is there any name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Is he your lamb? Have you received him as your lamb? And if he is your lamb, have you shared it? Have you shared that lamb? Let's pray. Lord, we don't deserve anything that you do for us. And you know my heart, how humbled I was to even talk about this subject today.